Welcome back, everyone. We've got a special Locked On crossover edition today. I am John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined here by Danny Webster with Locked On Knights. Danny, how are we doing today, buddy? Good. How are you doing, John? Awesome, man. You know, the Rangers really on a nice hot streak here. They've won four out of their last five, nine points out of a possible ten. So feeling good going into this this matchup tonight. How, how have the Knights been doing recently? Uh, the Knights have been a little bit up and down, you know, they really haven't been able to string a win streak together longer than two games. Uh, obviously they're coming off a, a big win against Nashville before Thanksgiving. And then they responded with a good win against Arizona, uh, on Friday, all without Marc-Andre Fleury and net. So, so far so good, but, uh, now comes another test where they got to go on the East coast and, uh, try and string some wins together. I think that's been probably their biggest problem so far this season, but the fact that they're not even out of the Pacific division to this point, and they still haven't been able to, uh, to string some wins together, I think is kind of the more surprising thing. And the fact that I think they're only like five or seven points back of Edmonton uh, is kind of ridiculous right now, but a big, big test tonight for uh, Malcolm Subban and uh, the Golden Knights for sure. Absolutely. And I can definitely relate to the inconsistencies. You know, the Rangers, basically, they have the youngest team in hockey, I believe, on opening night. It was eight players who were 23 years old or younger. So, yeah, with that comes a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of up and downs. And that's definitely been kind of the story of the season so far for the Rangers. But I'm definitely optimistic because, like I said, you know, the the four wins in the last five games. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the injury to Fleury. I wanted to ask you about that specifically. Uh, What's going on there and when can you guys expect him back? Well, Flurry's actually on personal leave right now. Um, according to uh, it, it hasn't been official by the team, but you know the team is a little wishy-washy when it comes to putting things like that. But uh, his father passed away last week, uh, day before his birthday on Wednesday, so he's been gone since I believe it was Tuesday. Uh, they've recalled Garrett Sparks on an emergency basis. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so it's probably going to be a little bit before. Uh, Flurry comes back. Uh, the the option of him rejoining Vegas for the road trip uh, is not out of the question, but I would be right. highly shocked if he even uh, returns for either the New Jersey game or the Islanders game on Thursday. Um, I'd expect him probably back uh, for the Rangers visiting Vegas on uh, next Sunday, which uh, ironically enough is uh, coming up in, in the next few days. So I, I would expect uh, him to be back either for that game or probably a, a uh, a day or two after that one, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, and obviously, you know, something like that happens. Uh, he can take all the time he needs, but uh, I'm sure you guys will be looking forward to getting him back. I, I wanted to ask about Subban as well. Um, how has he looked so far for you guys? And, uh, you know, is he is he somebody that is kind of viewed there as, like, the goalie of the future, or is he kind of just, like, you know, somebody who's, you know, kind of penciled into a backup role? I mean, how, how does the franchise look at him overall, would you say? Uh, you know what? There is the uh, there, the opportunity is there. Right. It, right. It is, this is his third year now as a backup. You know, Vegas took a flyer on him, you know, claiming him on waivers a couple of years ago. The idea was that he wasn't even going to be playing any action uh, when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when Vegas claimed him. And, uh, you know, he's been kind of in the position where some, maybe some people think that he hasn't really performed up to his expectations other people think he hasn't been getting a fair chance because if you look at last year, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury played, what, 60, 65 games last year. And it really, I don't think it was more so an indictment on Subban. I think it was just Vegas wanted to, uh, you know, right the ship with Nate Schmidt's suspension and uh, kind of offset their 8-11-1 start. So they felt like they had to play Fleury almost every single night. 
And this year, I think Subban has come in knowing he's on a one-year deal. This could really be not really his last chance to show that he's got the the tangibles to be the goalie of the future, but this really was a big year for him as someone who, uh, as someone who uh, is expected to eventually take over when Mark Andre Fleury decides to hang it up. And so far, even though the record doesn't say much, two four and two uh, through eight starts, and one of those starts. Uh, took him out for a couple of weeks due to a lower body injury. But I think uh, if he stays healthy this year, he's going to get a little bit more opportunity to show what he can do. And for the best, for the better part of eight starts, I think he's actually done very well. He's come in, uh, he's played very well in most of his starts. Uh, really his record should be better than what it is. Uh, if you, if you factor in those two overtime losses to, uh, to Toronto and uh, Winnipeg, you know, he played well enough in both of those games that Vegas should have won. Um, right. He's been doing, I think he's been doing a lot better uh, reading the puck. I think he's been doing a great job of, uh, you know, controlling his rebounds, which was really one of his weaknesses uh, earlier in the, uh, earlier in his career. But I think right now, knowing that this is kind of a, a prove it year for him, I think he's done well so far and he's definitely going to get a couple more starts, uh, especially in the start of December before, uh, before Flurry comes back. Yeah, it's interesting because everything you just said there kind of applies to the Rangers goaltender situation because you guys have the veteran in Flurry. We've obviously got the veteran in Lundqvist, and, and Lundqvist has played pretty well this season. I, I don't think it's fair to expect him to be, you know, a Vesna candidate anymore. He's 37 years old, but they have him, and then they have Alex Georgiev, who's 23 years old. And I don't think the Rangers, you know, the front office necessarily looks at him as, you know, the guy who's going to be the starting goalie there for the next decade. But he has played pretty well, and the opportunity is there. And it's been interesting because the Rangers have kind of gone with, like, a little bit of a hot hand approach this year. Yorgiev got hot early in the season when Lundqvist was struggling a little bit, so they they ran him out there for three straight starts. But both goalies have played well. Obviously, you know, they've, they've got this nice little winning streak that they've put together here. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like the same situation where, you know, Georgiev has a chance. There's an opportunity that has presented itself to him if he wants to make a case that, hey, I'm your guy for the future, but... I don't think anything's set in stone. I don't I don't think the Rangers are going to, you know, go all in with, with Alex Georgiev. So just kind of interesting. I think it's a similar situation to to Subban over there. No, definitely. It does sound like that. And I, I like the uh, the mindset of what the Rangers are trying to do because they're in – I think the Rangers are in one of those interesting positions. Obviously, they added Kako and then they got a, a Truba in the offseason. They kind of retooled, but at the same time, they're in that rebuilding phase but they have enough talent to where if they wanted to make a run at the playoffs this year, there is that off chance that they could do it. And if you got a goalie tandem where you can know, you know, you have the reliable guy in Lundquist and then, you know, on a, on a night or two, you know that you can give him a rest and go with uh, your give. Uh, I think that's a, that's an ideal situation that the, that the Rangers are in. I think a lot of teams would kill to be in that situation actually. Definitely. I mean, they've got youth on their side. I, I think it would be so big if they can make the playoffs this year because there's so many guys on that team who have who have never been in the postseason. And even if you don't go very far, I mean, look, if you get to the playoffs, you, you don't want to get swept in the first round or, or go out in five games or anything like that. But if you're there, at least you get a taste of that postseason action, you know, and, and that could be, you know, very valuable going forward. Right. And I, and I totally thought I totally forgot about Artemi Panarin. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, adding him, obviously, with him, it kind of it kind of goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, but yeah. but adding him, you definitely uh, have that that veteran presence who's been there before, uh, especially last year. Um, but adding him and adding his scoring prowess, I mean, that gives the Rangers an element that, you know, they've probably been lacking the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, they're they're one of those teams that I'm looking at that. 
if they if they can kind of keep it steady and have a good have a good split with those goalies, I think they got a good chance of being uh being a dark horse come March. Just want to take a quick minute to let you guys know that today's Locked On Crossover Edition is brought to you by DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Definitely. And I spoke with Hunter from Locked On Penguins. We did a crossover episode not too long ago, but I, I talked about this as well with him. With Artemi Panarin, it's it's so cool that the Rangers finally have somebody who can really just kind of, you know, carry the offense on his back and just, you know, just score so many goals and so many assists. And because even when the Rangers, you know, they had that great team and they were making deep playoff runs every year and they even went to the Stanley Cup finals the one year, the one thing that that team always seemed to lack and really the one thing that they've lacked for many years even beyond that, they've never had that really top-notch dominant sniper that could just kind of carry the team on his back. And they have that with Panarin now, so it, it's really a lot of fun. I mean, he's averaging basically a point per game, and he's been everything they could have expected and more. And one of those guys, too, I, I think the other thing that's really impressive about him is he's played with, you know, they've they've shuffled the lines a little bit. You know, there's been some injuries. Zibanejad was out with an injury for a while. But whoever Panarin's on the ice with, it seems like they get a boost in their game almost immediately. And uh, Ryan Strom is a guy who's a great example of that. They, Ryan Strom's a guy they traded for last season and kind of an under-the-radar move, but he's been great for the Rangers. He's off to a great start this season, and he's mostly been centering the top line with Panarin, and then you have a little bit of a revolving door on the right wing. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like Panarin, anyone who's out there on the ice with him, they get an immediate boost just from just from being out there with him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's kind of the... That was kind of the same situation when Vegas acquired Mark Stone at the deadline last year. Just wherever you put him, he just makes everybody better. Even though sometimes if the points wouldn't come, uh, there was a stint earlier in the year, I think it was a few weeks ago, when uh, Cody Eakin was the center for Stone and Marchessault. And it was really a weird line, to get, especially to get uh, Marchessault and Eakin going. But mm-hmm. you could tell just the way Stone impacted the game in the way that you know he set those guys up he it, it's the same it's kind of the same situation he just makes those on his line better and it's 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 almost ridiculous to see yeah what, what a talent like you know Panarin or Stone can do you know for for a, a line or a team like that yeah Stone's big time man that that really was a great pickup for you guys last year and uh one other guy I gotta I gotta ask you about is I actually got to interview him a few times because he's from Connecticut and you know I, I live in Connecticut right now, but Max Pacioretty, I haven't talked to him since he's been on the nights, you know, I, I don't have that same job anymore. But yeah, I mean, what have you seen from him? I mean, he was always a really, really cool guy to me anytime I would interview him. I mean, he's having a tremendous season from you guys. W- what can you say about, you know, everything that he's done so far for the for the nights? I, I think uh this is primed to be one of the best seasons of his career. Uh, I think yeah. that, you know, obviously last year, uh, a lot of a lot of different things were going on. You know, the whole situation with Montreal uh, getting traded, I think it was before 9-11 that he got traded. And then he had to immediately join Vegas a couple of days later for training camp. And then all of a sudden it's like, OK, we're throwing a 30 goal scorer into the mix for a team that just came off the most improbable Stanley Cup final uh, run ever. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, let's uh, let's just uh, throw our hands up and have a party here. And. 
Obviously, he dealt with some injuries last year. It wasn't a uh, the best season for him. He had some issues where uh, he didn't have the same training, uh, his same trainer from Connecticut that he's been working with his entire career when he was in Montreal. So that factored in as well. It kind of threw everything off. But this year, uh, it seems like that he's back to his old training regimen. It looks like that he's kind of back to the old Pacioretty when he was one of the more lethal goal scorers in, in the NHL. And right now, it, it's not even the goal scoring that's kind of impressed me. It's the fact that his playmaking is ridiculous. I think he leads the Golden Knights with primary assists. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think William Carlson's the clubhouse leader in points still. Um, but Pacioretty has been killing it in the passing game, and he's made uh, Stasny and Stone uh, look like bona fide goal scorers whenever they've been playing together. So um, I, I, I expect uh, this kind of trend to continue. He's definitely on – on par to have one of the best seasons of his career. And he, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility to think that he can crack 30 goals again uh, for the first time in a while. So I, th- I think Vegas is definitely getting the, uh, the return on that four year, $28 million uh, extension that they signed him to last year. They're getting every penny of it right now. Absolutely. And you, you make a good point there as well, that he's actually been more of a playmaker this year. I've always thought of him more as kind of like a sniper because he has such a lethal shot. But yeah, yeah. nine nine goals and 16 assists for Patrick And it looks like, yeah, 16 assists actually leads the night. So so that's awesome to see. Um, is there anyone on the team, I want to ask you about this too, that like has kind of, you know, maybe overachieved this year, maybe given you guys a little bit more than you would have expected, you know, to this point in the season? Um. I think if I look at somebody who's not really doing it on the score sheet, I think William Carrier is having probably his best year to this point. Um, it, it hasn't really shown up on the score sheet. I think he was, he's only got like four points through 20 plus games. Um, but his four checking has been an impeccable. It, it's been an impeccable element for the Golden Knights ever since they picked him up in the expansion draft from Buffalo. But you're seeing it now in his third year with the team. It looks like he's ready to kind of take that next leap out of a fourth line guy. Um, he, I know he skated on the third line during practice yesterday and with Cody Eakin expected to be out tonight and for the foreseeable future. Um, there's, it looks like that uh, Will, Car- Will Carrier is going to move up to the third line tonight uh, with uh, Cody Glass and Alex Tuck, which one is fantastic for him he's deserved this kind of promotion i think that him with tuck on the other side is going to give that uh, third line a boost and it's uh, also a big opportunity to finally get cody glass a chance to play some center because good lord he has not played well on the wing and that's not really his fault it's just the personnel that's you know playing with him and playing in front of him um but i think he's been very very good i think he's done a real good job. He's been probably the best fourth liner on the team, and he's definitely gotten that fourth line going. And the fourth line has been, for for what it's worth, he, the fourth line has been much better than the third line in, in, since this year. So I think Carrier is probably uh, I think Carrier is probably in that category. I also think that uh, in terms of just an overall standpoint, I think William Carlson is on pace to have an even better year than year one, which, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, you go two years not knowing what your future is going to hold. Uh, you settle for the five point two five million arbitration or to avoid arbitration after year one. You come back the next year, you have fifty six points. It's kind of and eh, maybe not worth a top six seven million dollar guy. And then he signs the long term deal to stay in Vegas. And so far, uh, he's cashing in on that on that contract. Uh, uh, he's been absolutely everything that he's continued to be for the organization and. 
Uh, I think I think those two are probably right now the top guys that have really impressed me the most with Vegas. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on William Carrier tonight because you know, as you said, you know he's he's a little bit under the radar, mostly playing on the fourth line there. And if I have a, you know a version of that player on the Rangers, I, w- I would probably throw Brendan Lemieux out there. He's he's mostly played on the third line this year, moved up to the second line in the last game, and, and we'll see how they line up tonight. But this guy's just awesome. I don't, I don't know if you've seen any. Have you seen any of Brendan Lemieux or? or I've nice heard. I've heard a little. Guy? Yeah, I've heard a little bit of it. I heard that he's had a pretty solid season to this point. Yeah, and it's not so much you know that he's scoring a ton of goals or getting a ton of assists. It's not really about that. I mean, he's got a few, but he had a two goal game. You know, not too long ago against the Canadians, that was really big. Really allowed the Rangers to to crawl out of the four nothing deficit that they found themselves in that night. But the big thing with him is this guy's just a grinder, and he's not the biggest guy on the ice, but. You know, they're playing the Capitals, and he drops the gloves to fight Tom Wilson because Tom Wilson's been running his mouth all night, as he's known to do. You know, he'll he'll throw his face in the way of a slap shot. He just, he just always brings the fire. He's so much fun to watch. And the one game he, you know, he's doing a post-game interview and all that, and he literally looked like Rocky Balboa. Like, he had the fedora, <laughs> the towel. I mean, his face is cut up. It's bruised, everything. It, it looked like he had just gone 15 rounds with Ivan Drago basically. But yeah, I mean, he's great, man. I mean, and again, it's not always about, you know, the goals and the assists, but you know, he's a great four checker and he just, you know, he, he skates every shift. Like it's his last, I mean, the guy just never takes a shift off and just a really fun player. Ranger fans have really kind of, you know, fallen in love with, with this guy so far. Yeah, no, that that's definitely the kind of player that I think Carrier, he Carrier has had those moments where it looks like, you know, his speed can definitely play a factor. He's got that wrecking ball mentality where, there, I think there was a moment last year where him and Ryan Reeves were one and two in the league in hits. Um, so he's definitely someone who, you know, his speed and his forechecking definitely making a difference. And I'm and I'm curious to watch tonight if it is Carrier, um, him on the left, and Alex Tuck on the right, and two guys who are relentless on the forecheck uh, might open the ice up a little bit for Cody Glass as he moves to center. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a uh, that's going to be something interesting to watch heading into uh, tonight for sure. One other, one other thing I wanted to ask you about before I forget here. Um, so you're a Knights fan, and obviously they're a new team in the league. Were you, were you always like? Did you have a team before the Knights, or like, are you from Vegas, or how how did that all kind of come to be? It's probably something you've talked about on your show, but just to give <laughs> you know Ranger fans an idea here. No, no, it's fine. Uh, you yeah. know what? Uh, honestly, when I started covering the Knights, I really wasn't a fan of the Knights. It was more because it's it's hard when you cover a team, and it, you you kind of don't really have that kind of fan connection with them, but. You know, um, I I was a, a Dallas Stars fan uh, for the uh-huh. longest time. Uh, I and I actually told this story on my last podcast before we went on break uh, for the for the Thanksgiving weekend yeah. um, because Dallas had just played Vegas, and I was uh, telling the story about the very first game that I ever watched. The very first hockey game uh, that I ever watched was actually Game Six of the '99 Cup, um, and I turned it on. I think it was after. I think it was during the first overtime, and. Uh, it, all I remember was just staying up. I was seven years old at the time. And I think the game went on till about, you know, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, Vegas time. And uh, I saw Brett Hull score the winning goal. I'm like, okay, I'll just become a stars fan. And then the next year go. they get, and then the next year they get back to the cup final. I'm like, okay, this team's never going to lose. And then they lost to New Jersey. And I thought the world was just crashing down, you know, over me as a new hockey, <laughs> as a new <laughs> hockey fan. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm born and raised in Vegas. Uh, I was actually, it started off being a Dallas Cowboys fan, then it kind of just gravitated toward all the other uh, Dallas sports teams that I just became a fan of. And, uh, you know, obviously the last 
couple of years, I've kind of disconnected myself from being a Stars fan just because I've been so busy covering uh, covering this team. But I will say, um, you know, with everything that happened a couple of years ago with uh, the October 1st shooting and everything that happened here before the Golden Knights even played a regular season game, um, I, I wasn't really a fan of the team per se, but I was definitely a fan of who they were as a part of the community. And yeah. for and for someone who has lived here all his life and for someone who has called Las Vegas home for, you know, 27 years now uh, to watch what this team did at, during year one to kind of bring community together and kind of, you know, revitalize a city that, you know, I, I'll still never forget where I was when it happened. It was to, to see what they did throughout that entire year and to go on the run that they did, I, I seriously thought they were going to win the whole thing. Like just, yeah. I, I felt like it was too, too much of a team of destiny ordeal to watch them uh, get to the final. And, you know, they win game one and the whole city's going crazy. I remember walking out of T-Mobile arena after game one against Washington. And I was just like, I have never seen a city this buzzed over anything in my entire life. And I wasn't even around when Jerry Tarkanian was coaching UNLV. So I don't even know what those days were like. Um, but just to see the city embrace the team and to see the the team kind of become the staple and the uh, driving force in the community, I think that's what I became a fan of more than anything than what, what they eventually would put on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's some similarities. I'm not going to compare, obviously, that shooting, very tragic thing, very horrible thing that happened there. But I do know that feeling when it feels like you're kind of rooting for a team of destiny. I'm, I'm sure Vegas had it that year because, again, you know, obviously, you know, you, you have the tragedy with the shooting and then, you know, everybody kind of, you know, comes together and, and rallies around this this Vegas team, this, this expansion team that goes to the Stanley Cup final. And again, I'm not comparing what I'm about to say with, with the shooting there, but with, with the Rangers, with the Rangers, obviously they had Martin St. Louis in the 2014 run to the Stanley cup. And uh, his, his mom passed away when the Rangers were down three games to one to the Penguins. And then they, and also they had Dominic Moore that year and his, he had lost his wife to cancer. And it it just started to feel like it had this team of destiny. Like, I don't know, there there was something more going on than we could see. Like there was some, somebody was looking out for them and and they just had that team of destiny kind of thing that was going on there. And, as I'm watching, I mean, I had a similar feeling that you did. I was like, oh, my God, this this team is going to win the whole freaking thing. And it, it almost happened, and they got to the finals that year. But, yeah, I, I definitely – I know where you're coming from. And, again, I'm not comparing the two things because the thing that happened in Vegas was absolutely horrible. But that team did so much for that community and, and kind of gave them a reason to, to feel good and to cheer again. And it's a great thing in sports when that happens. You know, it, something similar is, you know, after the 9-11 attacks when everybody kind of rallied around the Yankees and Mets. The Yankees, of course, they go to the World Series that year. And, the Mets were, it looked like they were, you know, just basically buried in the standings and they almost made a run. So yeah, I mean, definitely kind of similarities there. No, absolutely. And, and, and that, that situation with the Rangers, I remember, uh, it, especially with St. Louis, you know, he was near the tail end of his, uh, of his playing career. And, um, uh, yeah, I remember that, that run very well. That was a crazy run. I, and I honestly thought that the Rangers were actually going to beat the Kings that year. I thought they, I thought they just had every bit of, uh, ingredient that you could have to make to win that cup that year and uh unfortunately they just ran into a buzzsaw that was la who who eventually would be the the team of the pacific of the decade for that for that stint um but yeah it's crazy you know when you watch a team especially a, a hockey team here that there was no prior pro sports experience here you know there was yeah. nothing uh yeah. 
there was nothing here. Everybody, the only thing that anybody had here was UNLV basketball. And, you know, like I said, you know, when Tark, when Jerry Tarkanian coached them to the, to the national title in 1990, you know, a bulk of the people, at least all bulk of the people that I know, you know, I wasn't even alive at the time uh, when Tarkanian won the, uh, or led them to the title. And that was really all Vegas really had to hang their hat on for a better part of you know, almost 30 years. And then all of a sudden here comes this hockey team with a bunch of cast offs and a bunch of guys that, you know, not really people knew who they were. Cause I definitely know people didn't know who William Carlson was. I think the only people, person they really knew was Mark Andre Fleury. Um, but to see that team win as many games as it did in year one and to go on the playoff run that it did, you know, it, this place has definitely become a hockey town in, in such a short amount of time. And, you know, that's why when I think with the Raiders come here, it's not going to be a, it's definitely not going to be a football town. People are still going to be gravitated toward the Knights. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I wanted to ask you also, it seems like, I'm sure you've been to a few games there. You, I mean, you cover them pretty regularly or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's it like there? What, what's it? it Cause watching on TV, it always seems like a, like just a total party atmosphere. And then of course, <laughs> you know, you've got these hockey purists who are like, Oh, that, that's a little over the top. That's a little ridiculous, but I mean, come on, it's fun, right? I mean, is, is it fun being there? Is it, is it like a party atmosphere? Oh, it, it's absolutely fun. It, I tell people all the time, especially for those who haven't been to a game yet, it is quite literally an experience unlike any other. And yeah, um, I don't, I, I know sometimes in the regular season, it can get a little party ish, but I mean, I you watched the, the playoffs the last couple of years and the, the, the run in the first year, it was an atmosphere unlike anything I've ever seen. And I, and I, unfortunately have never been to Nashville. Um, I, I can only imagine that atmosphere during the playoffs is ridiculous. Um, I've never been to a stars playoff game, which, you know, when the stars are in their heyday, when they were in the playoffs, American Airlines Center was one of the best venues uh, in the in the NHL. Um, I haven't been to a lot of those arenas that have those over the top uh, playoff like atmospheres, but when the Golden Knights host a playoff game, it is an atmosphere unlike any other. It is a it is the loudest arena I think I've ever been in for any sport. It's yeah. one of those. Uh, it's one of those places where you feel like it's a party, but at the same time, you feel the buzz of the crowd. You feel everybody locked into what's going on. It's really, it, I've never heard of an arena more loud than in two instances. One was probably game one of the cup final. The other one was, I think it was game three back this, this past year against San Jose when Stone had the hat trick. And I just remember the crowd becoming unglued. It was it was a situation where I've never heard of a team uh, have a fan base that loud. And I know uh, Brad Marchand made a comment earlier in the year that, oh well, we don't worry about the crowd because they like they pump the they pump the crowd noise into the arena, which I, I don't think that's even remotely possible in an arena setting like that. But uh, yeah, you can't uh, simulate that, not to that extent. I don't. No, think. you can, you you really can. So. Uh, when that place gets loud, they get loud. And if they, and when they, I'm not going to say if I'm going to say when, because I feel like they're, they are going to get back to the playoffs, but when they do get back to the playoffs and they face a team that they haven't faced in the playoffs yet right now, it's like Edmonton, maybe Arizona, depending on that, if those top two uh, stay where they're at, it's going to, it's going to be an atmosphere unlike any other, I think. And I think for those teams, it's going to be like, Oh boy, I don't, I don't know if we, uh, I don't think we're ready for this. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what, man, you might be talking me into flying out there for a night's playoff game. We might have to catch a game together or something. Oh, it 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 quite literally is ridiculous. Like I I 
I would love to go to a Rangers playoff game at some point, just because just because I know Madison Square Garden one would die for something like that when it's definitely not the Knicks that's not going to make the playoffs. Nope. But um, but I can only imagine like during hockey time for Madison Square Garden during a Rangers game in the playoffs, it's got to be ridiculous. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never been to an NHL playoff game. I mean, as you can imagine, those those tickets at the Garden do tend to get really expensive. I think I even heard somebody say when they were in the finals against the Kings that it might be cheaper to fly to. I, I find this hard to believe, but it might have actually been cheaper to fly to Los Angeles, buy a ticket there and like stay there for a night and then come back. It might have been cheaper to do that than to just go to the Garden, which to me doesn't really seem possible. Maybe it is. I mean, I don't know, but. Yeah, the, the one game the one game I, I thought about going to is the Rangers with the eight seed. That's back when they seeded them one through eight, and they were playing the Capitals, and they were down two games to one. And my friend tried to talk me into going. He sat in the last row for like two hundred dollars, but in that game, the Rangers were up three nothing going into the third period, and the Capitals tied it and then won it in overtime. So, needless to say, I'm very happy that I chose to sit that oh, one out. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, that, that would have been rough. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm fortunate to say I was not a game seven between uh vegas and san jose last year i think i would have uh i think i would have lost my mind at, at that yeah <laughs> that was uh san jose won in overtime or double overtime yeah was that... it was uh almost double overtime it was like toward the tail end of the first overtime gotcha yeah no that's are, are they typically vegas's biggest rivals the sharks because i mean obviously they've played each other in the playoffs twice and each time each team has won one or the other so i mean is, is that the team that's kind of emerged as uh the night's biggest rivals so far would you say I, I would absolutely say so. I think yeah. at first it was the, at first it was the Kings just because it was the whole Knights versus Kings thing, whole chess piece ordeal. It was, it, it kind of fit, but you know, you look at the sharks and just the staple, the consistent staple of success that they've been over the last number of years and for Vegas to go in in year one and beat them in six only for, uh, you know, San Jose to come back and have Vegas up three, one and eventually win the series. Um, there's definitely a lot of bad blood. I, I don't think it's been shown as much this year, um, but I don't think there's any question, especially when you go to either arena. Um, both fan bases have a huge disdain, li- dislike for each other. And uh, it, it's definitely right now, I'd say without doubt, Vegas and San Jose is probably one of the top rivalries in the, in the league for sure. I think so too. And, and, you know, the few times that I've gotten to see them play each other, I mean, I, I watch in the playoffs, of course, but even in the regular season, if I just, you know, tune into those two teams playing each other, it does seem like there's a certain amount of chippiness between the two sides. But yeah, Danny, do you have any predictions for tonight? A final score or anything you're looking for tonight? Uh, I'm expecting a very uh, high scoring game, actually. I think that, uh, you know, if for as good as Subban has been, I don't know if his play can translate to the road yet or, or translate to a win. Uh, on the road for him. Uh, but like I said, the Golden Knights really haven't had a win streak of more than two games this year. This is a big opportunity for them. Um, and I think depending on who's in net for the Rangers, I'm going to guess Lundqvist might be in net. Yeah, he's uh, in. Yep. Okay, so I, I would yeah. I would presume Lundqvist versus Subban. I always go to the uh, the edge for goaltending. Ten- goal so unless Subban can pitch a shutout tonight, I'll say uh, – I think the Rangers get it done. I'm going to say it's a 4-3 final. I think we're going to expect a very high-scoring game tonight. Bible truth, I had the exact same final score. I think <laughs> I think it will be a high-scoring game. And, you know, both teams are very good on the power play, and the Rangers take a ton of penalties. So that's something that concerns me because I was looking at, you know, the league rankings, and it looks like the Knights currently at ninth in power play in the league. So 
Yeah, uh, Rangers really got to stay out of the penalty box, which is something that's that's been a problem for them. They took eight well, penalties against the Devils on Saturday. Well, you know what? They took eight penalties yeah. against the Devils, but that really didn't matter because the yeah. Devils' power play is hot garbage. Yeah. I, the I, Devils... Oh my God, I have never seen. <laughs> oh my it's God, bad. every time every time I looked up at my phone to see, I was like, oh, shorthanded goal here, shorthanded goal. What is going on? Like, <laughs> I I think the Devils should just burn those uh, green trim jerseys because I think those were what was killing them the other night. Yeah, or, or decline the penalty or something, you know, yeah. because, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I even talked about that in my last episode. It's like, yeah, you know, eight for eight on the penalty kill is eight for eight on the penalty kill. But I said, I got to be honest here, guys, the devil's being so god awful on the man advantage. That, that has a lot to do with what we just Jeez. saw, too. Yeah, something bad. else. Yeah. But uh, all right. Yeah, I guess we can wrap up. And uh, Danny, you know, thanks for doing this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It should be a fun game tonight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Enjoy the game and we'll see you back here next time.